do that. Psalm chapter number 84. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. If you're there, say Amen. amen. The Bible said, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, they will still, or they will be still praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, the rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. I love this verse. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Think about that. Verse number 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in Thee. This morning I want to begin our series off from this psalm and I would like to preach to you a very simple thought, but one I believe that really needs to be heard and really needs to be lived. And I want to preach this morning on this thought, being thankful for the church. Being thankful for the church. Would you pray for me with me please this morning? Father, we do love you and we thank you Lord for the opportunity to be here this morning. God, we thank you Lord for the good spirit that's been felt and God, the good singing that we've heard. Lord, thank you. Uh, Lord, for your people, God, thank you for this place that we can gather together. And uh, Lord, I pray, God, tonight, this morning, Lord, that you would help me. And God, that you would use me and give me power. And Lord, unction, I cannot preach without your help. And Lord, I really don't want to try this morning. So God, I'm asking you, Lord, to put me on, God, and let me to put... Uh, you all, Lord, and help me, God, to submit myself that you could preach not only to me this morning, but through me to the help of thy people and to the glory that's so due to your name. We love you and we thank you for all that you've done. Please help us this morning for a little while. In Jesus' name and for his sake and all the Lord's people said, Amen and Amen. You can be seated. If I could, I want to say quickly by way of introduction that it is here in our text where we find the psalmist uh, has been said to be unknown. If you were here when I preached before from Psalm 84, you kind of know the background. I won't go through all that, but I do want to make it known that there's some speculation as to who the writer is, the, the physical writer. Now, we understand no matter who it is, if it's David or if it's an exiled Jew, we have no uh, doubts that really in 
in fact, and not in theory, but in fact, it is God that is the author. Can I get a witness this morning? That God, the Holy Ghost, moved and inspired the hearts and the hands of men to pin down the very words of a living God. So uh, it really makes no difference if it's an exiled Jew uh, to the sons of Korah or if it is the psalmist David and he is writing upon the occasion and from the perspective of his only uh, his son Absalom uh, uh, and his rebellion of course uh, uh, against his father's rule and reign as king. How many of y'all remember the story of Absalom and David? David's son trying to steal the hearts of the people and kill his own father for a little power and a little authority. So no matter who it is writing, I'm going to go with David this morning. I want you to understand something that during David, during Absalom's revolt and rebellion, uh, there's some things that happened in the life of David. Number one, David's a king and cannot even sit on his own throne. Now, that makes for easy preaching, but that's hard living. Uh, how many of y'all would live your life being kicked out of your own bed or kicked off your own love seat or your couch or recliner because your son said so? David lost some things during this absence in his life. He's left town in fear of his own life. David has been in hiding as the anointed king of Israel and yet he cannot rule and reign because of fear in his life. So if it is David writing this psalm this morning upon the occasion of fleeing from home, I, I want you to understand some things that David's lost and you'll understand why. Here in a moment, can I say we're talking about a king who cannot even be in his own palace. That's one of the props to being the king. You live in the palace. I mean, everybody else had second best, but David's house, the king of Israel, was first class. And so, uh, we're talking about a king who can't be in his own palace. He can't sleep in his own bed. He can't eat from his own table. He's not being served by his own servants. He's not resting on his own throne. He's not bathing in his own bathtub. He's not loving on his own family. And yet we find in Psalm 84, and I believe in fear of his life being ran out of town, we find the psalmist has begun writing about one thing despite all the necessities and despite all the luxuries that have been stripped away from this writer. Here's what we find when we read the words of the psalmist. We read the words of anguish concerning the house of God. Isn't that amazing? Now think, think with me now. Go back and see a king who's had to leave his silk sheets. By the way, the king had the best food plan and the meal plan. You with me? The king ate better than anybody ate. But he's missing. He's had to leave his own table. His own, his own friends and family. His servants. David don't get up and walk across the room to get his own shoes. He points. And the servants go get his shoes and wash his feet and shine them before they put them on his feet. I'm talking about David has lost some luxurious things and some things not only of want but of necessity in fear of his life and fleeing from Absalom. But what has David just written about? 
that he missed? Do you find anywhere where he misses the palace? Do you find anywhere where he misses the power? Do you find here anywhere where he misses the spread in the morning and at lunch and at dinner? No, there's one thing on the heart of the psalmist David and he says this, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Look here. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cryeth out for the living God. He said, Yea, the sparrow hath found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young even thine altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, he said, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. You know what David said? How many of y'all can go back with me a couple years ago? My God, when COVID first hit, nobody knew what it was. I mean, I really thought it was the abominable plague. I mean, just like everybody else, I didn't know. And I'm not making light of it now. It's taking some people I know and I understand all those things, but it's really not as big as they made it out to be. And one of the first targets on the hit list of essential and non-essential, you know, uh, the bars remained open. They were essential, but bless God, we was com- we was commanded. Don't you go to church? Church is a super spreader. Can I get a witness? Uh, y'all remember them terms? I do. I'll never forget them. And so. Uh, I- remember meeting in our cars for the first little bit outside and we didn't know I I didn't want nobody to die I didn't want none of our older people to get sick and die or younger for that matter and uh, we we had a couple months there where church as we know it was no longer the same do y'all remember missing church remember missing this I don't mean missing like staying home I mean missing being together Y'all remember that feeling like, man, how, how many of y'all went on vacation? Some of y'all be highly disappointed, but growing up, we always tried to find a church when we was on vacation, go to church on Sunday. You know what we found out? That's pretty much a waste of time. Yeah. So we'll quit doing that. Sorry to let you down. But I can have a lot better time with the Lord in the motel room. Read my Bible, praying, and and watch somebody's church that I know online. Then I then I can go in and visit in a bunch of places that ain't in that their mind. That's a different for another day. But anyways, I how many of y'all know that feeling when you're out of town? Even if you could, even if you could watch your church, which we don't live stream, but even if we did, it ain't the same. You miss Ben. How many of y'all had to work? Couldn't help it. Got to pay the bills. Keep the kids fed up, don't you? Dewormed. Amen. Keep the wife looking just as good as possible. Got to have money. Keep the lights on. The water hot, don't you? But you got to miss church. And when you miss church, man, you miss church. Y'all know how that feels. Y'all been sick. Very few times, very few times have I ever been so sick that I simply just could not be here. But there's been a handful of times throughout my life. I don't know. Have I ever, have I missed any due to sickness since Pastor and Amy? I don't, I don't think so either. That's the grace of God, by the way. Uh, I'm not making light of your situation. God's just been good to me. But there has been times I've had to miss, and there's times that you've had to miss. And can I say, there ought to be a longing in your heart to be here. But can you imagine being forced out 
of town. Can you imagine being forced out of your home? Can you imagine being forced out of your city and your way of life? And listen to me, being forced from your church. How many of y'all is glad to be a part of the Stillwater Baptist Church this morning? I'm not ashamed of that. Now some of y'all may be, but I'm not. Hey, if you ask my opinion, this is the greatest church I've ever been to. I mean that. I go to churches with a lot bigger buildings and a lot more people and a lot nicer pastor than ours. But this is the best church I've ever been to. It's my church. It's where God has placed me. Can I say this morning that I can't imagine... I'm telling you, y'all have a gunfight on your hands if you think you'd run me off. Hello. I ain't, I, I'm, I'm, I ain't talk. I mean, I'm telling you, I would die in that parking lot before I let you run me out of here. Because this is where God put me. God put this church in my heart long before you showed up. So if anybody's got to leave, it's you. Amen. That's what I'm going to go by. I'm going to say, where was you in Woodbine, neighbor? When I was down there painting the walls, didn't know who was going to come. And it's just me and God. Hey, I'm telling you, this is my church. And I love my church. And I can't imagine being like David. And he's sitting there. And you know what? He can't go to church. He can't, go to the, he can't go to the temple. He can't go to the tabernacle. He can't get down there where God in the presence of God has been so many times in his life because of circumstances and he's been forced away. But can I say, my friend, uh, none of the physical things that David has lost is even mentioned uh, because his heart is longing to be in the tabernacle or the house of God. And I say this morning, it's here where the psalmist begins to write about the temple, his church, if you will. And the absence from it due to being forced out. Whether it's David or an exiled Jew, that's up for great discussion. It really makes me no difference. Either one, whoever it is, they're longing to be at their church that they have been forced away from. Y'all agree with that? I'm going somewhere. i got four points and we'll give them to you quickly. But I, you've got to understand our context. So if I could now, I've explained what's going on. I want to look at this text and, and we'll, 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 we'll go through all uh, these verses the best we can. But I want to ask you a question before I go any further. How thankful are you really for your church? That's a good question. As a lot of people says, oh, I'm thankful. But actions speak so much louder than words. How, how thankful are you really? Can I say I believe with all my heart that churches like ours are growing fewer and fewer by the day? I really believe that. Can I say I think some of y'all don't even really know what kind of church you've got because you, 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 you've never seen anything else. Some of you have been saved right here, planted right here. You don't know what kind of church you really got. I'm not trying to belittle you. I'm just saying you don't know how bad it can be out there. You know those churches in this county today that they're going to have fist fight in the parking lot over the brand of toilet paper that they put in the bathroom. Now that's sad. 
There's churches today that the man of God who was placed in the pulpit in our county, in our state, in our region, he's going to preach something that God put in his heart and it's going to tick off the deacon and the deacon's going to tell him to take a hike, find somewhere else to preach. That's so sad. There's places right now that they've been gathering for 45, 50, 60, 80, 120 150 year history of a church. And there's there's five gray-headed old saints of God. And they can't find nobody to come in hardly and preach. And they're, and they're starving. And they're hungry. And they're starting to get a little cold and different because they remember the revival that took place in 1962 when they was 400 got saved. Nobody knows about and they're still wanting God to do it now in that church, but the people, they give up, they left, the families moved on, they, they traded off a real church for, for, for a performance or for a movement or for politics. I mean, and, and they're hurting this morning. You could be in any one of those situations. There's churches this morning, the doctrine is horrible. And people are so misled beguiled and deceived and some of them have been talked into being saved and they're lost and they don't even know it and their preacher repeats them uh, every other week to have somebody else uh, say they got saved and they're believing a lie and they'll ride a lie right into the lake of fire one day that could be your kind of church that you were in but let me tell you something you're in a good church I know every pastor says that about his church, but if I wasn't the pastor here, you're in a good church. It's, a good, it's not a perfect church. Hello. It's not a perfect pastor. Come on, somebody. But I'm going to tell you what you get when you come here. You get what you get. I'm not up here putting on a show. I'm going to say stupid things in this pulpit. I ain't making an excuse for it. I just do it because I'm stu- so what stupid people do is say stupid things. I'm going to say stupid things here occasionally and I'm going to say them out there occasionally. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do or say something that bothers you because I am not perfect and I'm not trying to be perfect. Y'all ever been to a church you're scared to death to even approach the pastor because he's God's gift to humanity? I'm a redneck, man. If the Lord didn't save me and if I wasn't raised right, I'd be moonshining right now somewhere probably. I'm telling you, I'll have pot tobacco in, in hanging out the corner of my mouth with overalls on, no shirt. With a straw hat running moonshine and loving every second of it. That's the kind of person that you're looking at. I'm crazy. Are you with me? Or I'd have deer blood running down my fingertips right now. I'd be doing something besides this but God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's why we all get along. Because we all know where we should have been and where we could have been. Hey, but glory to God, the God of glory came my way. And he birthed us in the family of God. Get us a good church. And we know what grace really is. We know what grace is because that's who we were. But God has made us a new creature. Old things have been passed away. 
Behold, all things have become new. And I love my church. Amen. Not everybody can go to this church. You all know that. Yeah. Not everybody can come to this church. Those people who's got to have everything just right in line, tick, 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 they, don't, they, don't, they won't make it here. Right. We didn't hardly nobody roll in. Some of them was on time, but everybody's late. We're always late when, on food day. We're supposed to have Sunday school this morning. Everybody's late trying to make dishes. And guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to gripe out everybody for, for having to stay and make sure the ham got done or the turkey or the stuffing. Because we're going to eat as a family and fellowship right here in a minute. Amen. But some people, they couldn't handle that. That would literally bother them to the point they'd get in their vehicle and go home. But guess what, friend? We're not perfect. Right. You with me? Nobody got a bulletin when you walked in with scheduled time for who's singing what song and how long. And I didn't get a time slot to preach. Thank the Lord. Amen. They have two hours of singing and the preacher will get a 15 or 20 minute sitcom. Hey, we just had church around here. Sometimes I preach an hour. Sometimes I don't preach at all. My God, last Wednesday or last Sunday night, I watched y'all's nasty feet. That's what God told me to do. Man. You better know God's one said that. I'm telling you that right to the now. Some of y'all nasty feet. That water started off clear and clean. It, my God, it looked like it looked like weed killer time we's done. Nasty people. But that's what God told me to do. And you know what? I wasn't really thinking about it till afterwards. I looked at water. I thought, my God in heaven, what have I done? I bleached my hands for three days. But I, I love my church. The psalmist is concerned about one thing. The church. Can I give you a few reasons this morning? I'm skipping some things, but can I give you a few reasons why you ought to be thankful for your church? Number one, I want to say you ought to be thankful for the church because it provides consolation for the soul. Look, look in verse 2. The psalmist said, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry for the living God. Can I say you ought to be thankful for, the, for your church? I understand that the church is a body, but the, 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 the psalmist here is literally talking about the, the, the assembly, the building, the temple, the tabernacle. And I'm thankful for the body. Don't get me wrong. But don't listen, I don't want to ever overemphasize the body. And I don't want to ever overemphasize just the building. I'm thankful for both. But this morning we're talking about these four walls. A place we can come in and meet with God and, and fellowship with one another and fellowship with Him. And you say what's, what's, what's for at the church it provides consolation for your soul I say David was thankful for the church and desired to be there because it brought great consolation to his soul can I tell you a few things your soul gets at church At church, and some of y'all is going to have to amen or wave a hanky or throw a book or do something help me for a little while just for a little while this morning you know some things your soul gets at church number one your soul gets converted at church right not everybody got saved at church, but you got saved as a product from the church. I promise you that. How many of y'all can say, I'm thankful for the church because it was the church that my soul was converted. 
I know some of y'all so got converted. I was here. I watched it. I'm telling you, church is a place to be thankful for. It provides consolation for the soul. It provides uh, uh, your soul uh, is converted at church. How many of y'all can say your soul gets cleansed at church? You ever come in just nasty? Sin, the world, problems, anxiety, depression, worrying and fretting and stressed out. Come on, somebody. I mean, anybody ever just come in and you really ain't clean? We understand that Jesus washed away all our sin and in His eyes we're clean from now until eternity. But how many of y'all know when you look in that mirror you ain't always seeing somebody clean? But you can come to church. Sometimes it don't even take a message. Sometimes it takes a song. Somebody will get up and the Lord will move in that song and God just floods your soul. And you'll come down here to these altars dirty and filthy and overwhelmed, stressed out and anxious and fearful. But you get cleaned up, friend, and you go back to that pew and all of a sudden you come in bowed over. But now all of a sudden you can lift your hands and you feel, you feel good again. You feel clean. You, you feel excited again. I'm telling you, I'm thankful for the church up because of what it provides for my soul. Your soul gets converted at church, cleansed at church, consoled at church. Your soul get corrected at church. I don't know why people get so upset when God needs to say, hey, stop. That means He cares. Or hey, start. That means He cares. Correct How many of your soul gets called at church? And y'all come in and one day your soul's phone started ringing. Never heard that before. Where's that phone at? Oh, it's my soul. Hello? This is the Lord. Come on. Oh yeah. I remember. I remember. I remember some of y'all getting a phone call from the glory world. Deep down in your soul. How many of y'all can... Say amen right here. Your soul gets calmed at church. This is my refuge, friend. This is the only place on the planet that you can forget about all that for a minute. How many of y'all's got bills need paid right now and you can't pay them? I didn't have till I gave Jasmine all my money. Now I've got bills I can't pay. Honest to heaven, truth. But God's going to pay my bills. He always has. He's going to pay my bills. I got two past due right now in case you was wondering. But no, God told me to help Jazz the other night. That's what I did. You know what happened? She came in a little upset. I don't get to pay in this car payment. You know, the bank will come get the thing. Y'all ever come in here just worried and stressed and but church calms your soul? You know what your soul gets at church? It gets cultivated at church. Your soul gets cultivated. It gets worked and pruned and pried and sown and watered and the sun will shine and it, it'll allow you to blossom and grow into something you're supposed to be. That happens at the church. 
Your soul gets cured at church. Your soul is cared for at church. Any y'all ever just felt like nobody gives a flip about you, your problems, your life, your situation, your hurts, your pains? You come in church and somebody during fellowship comes up and says, hey, it's good to see you. I don't know why it's going to let you know that I have been praying for you this week. And I love your brother. All of a sudden, your soul says, somebody cares. Or maybe you come to the altar, you're overwhelmed, and all of a sudden you feel a hand slide up and a tear occasionally drip on your neck. You get done praying and stand up and say, I just want to tell you I love you. Your soul is reminded at church somebody cares. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Now you ought to be thankful for the church. Amen. It's a place where your soul is cared for. It's a place where your soul gets churned. Yeah. Stirred up. Ain't y'all ever just got stirred up at church? Yeah. Anybody ever got a case that can't help it? Amen. They call it live action. One, I think it was Preacher's Fellowship. I got so tore up, I'm two foot seven, 695 pounds. And jumped this pew like a white-tailed deer. <laughs> My soul was churning. I've seen some of the most quietest people stand up and shout, son, make the hair stand up on a grizzly bear. Couldn't help it. Sharon, there's a, there's a moving. Yeah. If you're saved in the Spirit of God and gets to move and in and out of hearts, I mean, there's a reaction there somewhere. Right. Right. Yeah, that's just not me. Amen. It was yesterday when your team lost. Amen. It was yesterday when your team won. Right. It was when your aunt hit the, hit the fireball and decided to send you a check for five grand. Come on, somebody. It was when that big buck you've been watching on camera dropped. Yep. I ain't going to lie. Everybody, everybody within four counties knows when I do something in the woods or on the water. But I don't shout out there and shut up in here neither. Come on, somebody. Oh, it's in you. It's not that it's not who you are. It's over what are you willing to be churned or turned or 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 stirred up about. The church will do that to your soul. Right. Your soul will get counseled at church. You know what I'm doing this morning? Somebody said, Preacher, can I? You think we could get an appointment maybe? Get some counsel? Now listen, I'll do that. I, I'm willing to try to help you if I can. But can I tell you how to get counseled? Three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. What do you think I'm doing right now? I'm counseling you right now to be faithful and excited and thankful for the church. This is counsel that you're getting this morning. And I say you ought to be thankful for the church. And for no other reason because what it does for your soul. It's a refuge for my soul. It's a place of rejoicing for my soul. It's a place of rejuvenating for my soul. It's a, it's a place of reevaluating uh, re for my soul. God ever put a mirror in front of you at church? Say, hey, we need to talk about something. It's a place of redemption for the soul. It's a place of restoration. How many of y'all got restored 
because of the church. I love the church. I love my church. I'm thankful for the church. Being thankful. Secondly, you ought to be thankful for the church not only because it provides consolation for the soul, but secondly, it's a compound for stability. This is the headquarters for stability. This is not just basic training. This is deeper than basic training. This is a compound for stability in your life. Can I tell you, the most unstable Christians are Christians that are not faithful to church. That's why they're unstable. That's why their lives fall apart. Well, they said, I mean, I'm saved, got saved as little. I thought that'd be enough. Wrong. You got to be planted and grow somewhere. Did you know, I can prove to you biblically, it is the will of God for you to be a member of a local church. I need a little help right there. It's God's order. It's not my order. It ain't a numbers game to me. It's God's order for your life so you can prosper the way He wants you to. You can have stability. You know what the church provides? Not just stability, accountability. You don't know why people don't want to set their roots down in the churches? They don't want no accountability. Help me somebody. Oh, see, if you become a member, then all of a sudden, well, Josh might hold you accountable for some things. You need accountability. What world are you living that you don't have to have accountability? We're supposed to be accountable to Him. This is His work. This is His order. This is, listen, this is not, my friend, this is not an organization. It's a living organism. It's a compound for stability. Got three things here. Y'all stay with me. 30 minutes I've been preaching. First of all, the church provides a compound stability for your for you to do this, for you to build your family. The church provides a compound of stability for you to build your family. Look in verse 3. Psalmist David says, Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself. Look here, where she may lay her young, comma, even thine altars. Oh, Lord. Y'all see how pretty little him is? Elijah? I'm going to make him up here and sit. So. And that play time. You see that little girl right there? She's very vocal. Just like a mother. All the time griping. That's the most beautiful little girl yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. That little girl back there? Most beautiful little girl. That little boy is the most handsome, meanest little boy. My wife, I'm going on the way. We got one cooking in the oven. And it ain't going to be long. Then our bell's going to ring and the delivery will be made. You know what I want for my family? Stability. You know how you can offer your family stability and build your family on stability? The church. You know what the psalmist is saying? Even a bird, sparrow has enough sense to build a nest, to have a house. And he said, that's what these altars are to me, Lord. I miss the church. I'm thankful for the church. I I hate that I'm not there because that's a place of stability for my family. 
Can I tell you if a sparrow just drops her eggs anywhere, don't tend to them, don't have no stability, there's nothing there holding them and cuddling them and, and, and protecting them. Well, the sun won't set before all their eggs get gone. Them babies will never make it. Can I tell you what people do? They think it's a threat and a scare tactic. I told families this. When they said, we're out of here, I said, here's what I want you to know before you leave. You're taking a chance on them babies dying without God and going to hell. They don't like to hear that, but it's the truth. Stability's here. This is where your babies are going to learn what that Bible says. This is where your baby's going to learn how to listen and hear the voice of God. This is where they're going to see God do things for people that the world said would never be done. It provides stability for your family. A bird has enough sense to have a nest, Brother Shelby. Elijah, did you ever get down your memory verse? Let's hear it. Try thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's important. Because when he's 16, he may forget about it before we leave today. God bless me. Hold up, think then, thy word have I hid in my heart. Yeah. I might not sin against thee. Provide stability. Yeah. You ever seen a marriage saved? Because of the church? Yes, sir. You ever seen one broke because of the failure to be faithful yeah. to the church? Yeah. You think you can work your own marriage out and keep it all together? No. Try it. Divorce no, rates are higher than they've ever been. You need stability. Can I say that when you come here, you're going to hear preaching on how to be a husband yeah. biblically, yeah. how to be a wife biblically, how children. To honor your father and your mother. Right. And some parents need counsel on this. How to discipline them when they don't do that. Yeah. You're doing your children an injustice if you want if you want discipline. Them. Where do you get all that, church? You waiting on school teacher. Here's what they're gonna teach your kids. They have rights. Yeah. School's going to teach them they have the right to choose this and do that, and, and they're going to put you in jail if you try to get bailed out and do anything about it. Amen. I'm y'all's kids. Have you heard, as your kids looked at you and said, uh, I'm going to call the cops. I said that one time. One time. I can't tell you word for word what my daddy said. I'll paraphrase. Not only am I going to beat your Rear, paraphrase. <laughs> but when they show up, I'm going to be tears. <laughs> and I remember melting like ice on a 120 degree day. Because when he said it, he meant it. I thought, oh, God. <laughs> he said, go ahead, son. You know what church provides them? Spirit. It's, it's not only a consolation for your soul, but it's a compound of stability. It, it provides stability to build your family. Secondly, I want you to see, it provides stability uh, for you to be blessed and highly favored. Look at verse 4. 
I'm hurrying through this. The Bible, what's the first word say? Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. Does everybody see that? Stability in the area of being blessed and highly favored. It's not just beneficial to build a family, but it will provide stability in your life. God will bless you and you'll have the favor of God if you're thankful for your church. I didn't make that up. We just read it. Can I say this this morning? I'm trying to hurry along. I really want to get to the last one. It's my favorite one. Those who are faithful to God's house will be blessed and favored. Now, I didn't say you're never going to have issues. But you'll come through them. I didn't say you're never going to get a disconnect notice. But God somehow or another will come through and pay for that thing. You try Him. Try Him. Just try Him. I remember, Jasmine, it hit my mind the other night. I remember you raising your hand and committing to the, all the missions and stuff. And then we were talking about it one night after church and you said, yeah, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay for all them commitments, but I really felt like that's what I was supposed to do. And if you, you've been faithful and you were short, you've been giving to them missionaries, and you were short, what God turn right around and do? Know what you are? Blessed. Yep. And highly favored. Amen. I might cry or shout or, or throw something here in a second. But I'm blessed. Yes, I know people look at my life, Brother Jeff, and I have some of the nicest things you can have. I do. I've heard this. Wish I had that pastor money. <laughs> pastor money didn't put a bow in my car for me. God did. Yeah, right. You with me? Yeah. My daddy helps me pay for that every month, by the way. That bothers you. You can pay. I don't, I don't have any money to pay for it on my own, but he helps me. Listen. I don't, I don't wear nice clothes because we're patting my back pocket. I'm blessed. Right. I'm highly favored. That soup store up there in Richmond I've been going to. I never gonna make that name from nobody. But he's getting me two or three things. So I just oh, well, he said, I don't know why I like you. <laughs> so good. He said, I'm gonna get you a dress shirt. He even got my initial put on the sleeve and it's cufflink shirt, it's nice and probably sixty or eighty dollars, I'd say, maybe a hundred. He said, I just wanna make one and give it to you. You think I'm that charming? <laughs> Blessed. Amen. Amen. Why? Because, and I'm not praying on them, give me an example. Because when I was 60, I was here. Yeah. When I was six, I was here. Right. When there was nobody, I was here. By the grace of God, it's not me, it's His grace. I'm here today. I'm blessed and highly favored. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. My little family were out of room. I'm telling you, we're stacked upon stacks upon stacks. I'm stressed. We, we don't have space. This, don't, this is on calls, calls again for a hundred times. But you mark it down. Somehow. Some way. 
I'm blessed. And I'm highly favored. And God is going to provide. I'm telling you, I live like that. Some of you say you do. I'm telling you, I live like that. God's going to do it. Some of you in can't take responsibility for having good credit or a good down payment or this or that. We're going to stand back and say, my Lord, thank you. And I like where to live that way. It's half a million in the back. I'm telling you the truth. I would. Because I stand back and I'm amazed over and over and over how God takes care of me. By the way, it's talked about sparrow. You ever read that verse where it said he feeds the sparrows every day? How much better are we than them? He takes care of you. You know there's never been one bird on the planet. There's trillions of them. They don't have McDonald's drive-through, friend. They depend on worms to come out of the ground. They depend on you and me to throw out that extra part of the hot dog bun, or the hot dog ain't long enough, and it, and and, I, and you tear it off, you throw it out the window. You've just fed a sparrow, or that soggy part where it's set under the heat lamp for six hours at McDonald's and it's good till you get that one side and the mayonnaise has been on there for eight hours and it's sogged up. And so you tear it off and throw it out the window and the bird says, Thank you, Lord! Isn't it amazing how they can sing every day and they never have nothing to complain about? I'm thankful for the church. It provides stability, not only to build your family to be blessed and highly favored, Thirdly, it provides stability for you to have bold faith. Look at verse 4. I'm hurrying along. Verse 4 said, uh, verse four said Blessed are they that dwell in the house. They will still, they will be still praising thee, Selah. You know what? The church provides you bold faith. Bold faith. You ever met somebody that started off and they was just real quiet and backwards and you never got them to say amen or shout or sing. And, but after years go by, boy, you can't. You can't hush them up. You know where that comes from? They get bold in their faith. Still be praising thee because God, they done seen God pay too many bills. They done got seen God heal too many sick people. They done seen God give them too many direct messages. Any of y'all ever got a direct message on Sunday morning? And you, and you look at your wife and say, did you text the pastor's wife? Or you husband or your wife looked at your husband, did you have a phone call with him this week about that? Anybody ever been there? Oh no, nobody called me. God just had read your mail for that week. And then, over time, you'll realize that. And you know what it'll do? It'll put a shout in you. You can't stop. you get bold in your faith. You'll still be praising Him, whether good or bad. Bless His name. How do people reach that place? God is faithful. But you'll never realize how faithful God is until you're faithful to God. A lot of people, God could have calmed the storm they're going through years ago if they'd just been faithful to Him. Thirdly, you ought to be thankful for the church because it provides comfort during sorrow. Look at verse 6. Man, I ain't going to get through all this. I really want to. Look at verse 6. The Bible said, Who passing through the valley of Baca making a well. I want to say a few things quickly. That word Baca literally means this. It means weeping. Baca, it means weeping, it means sorrow, it means suffering, affliction. That word Baca, Brother Shelby, it means pain and problems. I want to ask you something. Why being faithful to the church? Have y'all ever lived in Baca? 
Come on. While trying to be thankful, while trying to be faithful, you go through the valley of Baca. You're in a moment of weeping. You're in a time of suffering. You're going through time of affliction and pain and problems. You say, preacher, how in the world does that make me want to be thankful when I'm trying to be faithful and thankful, but Baca shows up. It don't stop at Baca. Look at the rest of the verse. Who passing... Hold on a minute. Let's just rejoice over the wording of our King James Bible. Passing through the valley. Hey, man. Somebody help me right there. Passing through the valley. You may be in a valley, but you're not a citizen of the valley. You're just passing through the valley of Baker. Look here. Psalmist said, make it a well. Can I ask you something? Anybody ever been in a place in life where all you feel and experience seems to be pain after pain and sorrow after sorrow and hurt after hurt? And is anybody listening to me? Has anybody been there? Problem after, I mean, you're trying to do right, but it's pain after pain, problem after problem, low after low, headache after headache, suffering after suffering, valley after valley. But can I say it's good to know? I want you to rejoice. Be thankful for the church that it's during those times, my friend. You'll find out how good it is to have have a good church. Hey, can I say, I think about just a couple weeks ago, Brother Shelby and Miss Christina, on one minute they're up here, and the next minute they're down in Baker. But wasn't it good to have a church to help you through the valley of Baker? I think about the Penningtons and the Hamptons and their, their family just a little over a year ago, burying a, 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 a Tina, a young man. I think about, I think about Jazz's need the other night. I, I think about what it was like when Kayla Siegel would walk in and cry after blaming service because her husband said he hated me. He said he'd never be back. Said he didn't even believe those things no more. And she was so hopeless and helpless. But because of the church, God pulled you out of that valley of bacon. I think about the families in this room that's had to bury fathers and mothers and aunts and uncles and children and everything else and if it was not for the church Baker would have overcame you you would have sank in Baker but the church provided you a way out during your time of suffering think about the Talby family coming in wounded and weary Baker again but you know what they found out we ain't got everything in the world to offer them but we can we will love them if they'll let us Man. We'll even like them if they let us. Come on, somebody. He's in Baker. He's trying to do right, but the Valley of Baker. Begin to think about little iron. The testimony God saved him and calling him and placing him with a good family. Yeah. Lily, Destiny, and, I, and others. It's a product of the church, man. Thank God for Brother Ray and Sister Annette, but I'm going to tell you something. If y'all didn't have the church, that wouldn't happen. Think about Bob, Regina, and Ashley. Product of the church. It was a church that provided comfort during your baker. But I want to focus on something real quick, and I'm hurrying along. Look with me in verse 6. Passing through the valley of baker, look here, he said, make it a well. You know what I begin to think about, Brother Jeff? I ain't real smart, but I know this. The deeper and the darker and the colder 
And the lower you dig in this ground right here, the closer you'll get to finding a well. Right. You know what he's saying about Bacon? He said, make it a well, Lord. Turn this valley of Bacon, this time of suffering, struggling, pain, problems, heartache, heartbreak, depression. Come on, somebody, help me just for a few more minutes. He said, make it a well. Can I tell you, the lower you get, the closer you really get to finding that well. Man. Anybody ever know that you're all time low where God gives you the best strength you ever have? That's what this church can be. I'm thankful for my church. Lastly, not only am I thankful for my church, you ought to be thankful for your church because of uh, these three things. But fourth, I want us to look this evening or this morning. I'm done. This is the best one to me. To me. It may not be to you, but it just really encouraged me. You ought to be thankful for the church because it provides a chance to serve. Look, look with me in verse 7. He said, They go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion. Prayer before God, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer, give ear, O God of Jacob, seal, behold our God, our shield, and look upon the face of thy anointing. Now look here in verse 10. Remember now, he's been exiled from his church. He's longing, he's missing it bad. Notice what he said. For a day, single, one day, in thy courts is better than a thousand. He said, I had rather be, look here, a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of weakness. When I read that, verse 10 jumped off the page to me. I had rather be a doorkeeper. Can I say the church, the church provides you and me a chance to serve? It provides me and you a chance to serve in three areas. It provides us a chance to serve our Savior. Come on, somebody. It provides us a chance to serve. Our Savior, it provides us a chance to serve other saints. And it provides us a chance to serve sinners. Listen, you ought to be thankful for the church because it's through and by the local church God gives us a chance to serve Him. Whatever you're doing and whoever you're serving, in reality, you're serving God. If it's being a witness to a sinner, you're serving. If it's preaching to the church, you're serving. If it's vacuuming a sanctuary, you're serving God. Now listen, if it's replacing the church sign, Brother Ray... Hanging the thing up or talking to somebody that can do it. It's serving God. If it's mowing grass and emptying the bag in the dumpster, you are, God's giving you a chance to serve. You ought to be thankful. I think we all need to praise His good name today that He's willing to let us serve. Listen here, when most of us won't get the chance out there. Is anybody listening? Can I say to the world, most of y'all ain't rich enough to serve. Come on. To the world, most of us aren't qualified enough to serve. Most of us are not educated enough. We're not popular enough. We're not handsome enough. We're not needed enough. We're not handy enough. We're not communicative enough. But God looks at all of us and gives us a chance to
to do the greatest things. Help me for two minutes. He gives us a chance to say the greatest words. He gives us a chance to perform the greatest jobs and to go to the greatest places and serve the greatest people and glorify the greatest God and mow the greatest grass and sweep the greatest floors, wash the greatest toilets, sing the greatest songs, preach from the greatest book, tell the greatest story, fellowship and love with the greatest family, forgive the greatest sinner, support the greatest missionary, host the greatest meetings, prepare the greatest meals. I'm telling you, whatever you do for the church is the greatest thing you can do. And God gives us, not me, not you, us, a chance. I thought about people with disabilities. Jonathan Hughes. You don't have much of a chance like that, though, Jeff. But God gave you one. Is anybody going to help me today? He'd have never got that chance outside of the church. But God gave him a chance to do something. Because of the church. Brother Mike, back there, his health went way downhill. Strokes, can hardly talk, can't hear good. God gave him a chance. He came up to me this morning and asked, can I, can I get anything out of the trunk that carry it in? He said, I brought some water. Brother Mike, God. See, you're not useful to a lot of people out there this morning. Because you can't talk, you can't hear good. So they have no use for you. But God does. Yes, sir. Does anybody get happy yet? Yes, sir. I'm thankful for my church because God gave me a chance to serve. I'm not qualified to do a lot of things. I'm not wanted. I don't meet the standard for a lot of people in a lot of places. But God looks down and says, yeah, I do this job. Some of you, you've never been good at nothing. Everything you've ever done seemed like you just fell and fell, fall and fell apart. Seemed like you always caught the short end of the stick with the boss. People never would hardly befriend you or like you. But you come in here, there's a group of people they walk up to you and they hug you. And they say, I love you. And they do. Yeah. God's giving you a chance. Man. But Shelby, oh, all the years that you've said you didn't feel loved and you didn't, God gave you a chance to know what that's like. Yeah. Only because of the church. I, you've got chances, son, to do things you never thought possible. But they're not going to come outside of the round. For the walls of opportunity. Brother Chris, come again, please. It's all stand. I want to know this morning, are you really thankful for the church the way you should be? It's provided you and me a chance to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, one another, sinners, saints, prodigals, God's give us a chance this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you. Bless the invitation in Jesus' name.
Amen.